707 will be oh, the boy. first pitch tonight. Is it? I got the time right. It is. Rectum Mundo. 707 first pitch tonight. The Angels' first of three games against the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. Tomorrow, of course, the 1992 World Series reunion at the ballpark. Again, the Blue Jays are reminding you the game is a sellout. Uh, Shohei Otani and Alec Manoa, there's going to be a lot of people there. Try to get into your seats as early as possible. The gates open at 1 o'clock. And uh, try to get through the lines and everything. Get some grub. Maybe have a couple of cold ones and enjoy the pregame ceremony. And then uh, be prepared to be wowed. Hmm. Shohei Otani and Alec Manoa. Shohei Otani hasn't come around before. Like, if you got a chance to see this guy... In the flesh, mm-hmm. which I've been lucky enough to do. He is, is he is a giant human. He's fun. He is a good show. He is. He is a good show. And I love the fact that he knows, at least on the field, he knows that he's a good show. He's got a little bit of personality on the he field. Does. We've seen it. He does. We've seen it a couple of times. Um, and I, 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 I think there will be a moment between him and Alec Manoa. Not, I'm not talking about a. I'm not talking about a moment of anger. I think there's going to be something between him and Alec Manoa. Some sort of little humorous byplay or something like that between him and Alec Manoa. I just think the two personalities are gonna are gonna feed off each huh. other really well. Um, Hope and, so. And yeah, I, it's, it's going to be a great afternoon, uh, a great afternoon out at the ballpark. And the 1992 Blue Jays. Uh, I see some the cake. folks there. Dave Winfield. Oh, that's great. It's going to be some. Uh, and I know there are other guys in that team, but. Winfield's kind of the guy who's been the hardest to sort of track down and the hardest to talk to sometimes about it just because he's got so much going on. <clears throat> so it's going to be a terrific afternoon. Uh, John Paul Morosi is MLB insider with MLB Network. He's one of our favorites. He joins us on this Friday on Blair and Barker. Mr. Morosi, thank you so much for doing this today. Uh, uh, fulfilling one of a, probably about 400 uh, media obligations you have today. <laughs> Um, so we do appreciate, I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I always prioritize you guys in having this conversation and I, I concur that I cannot wait to see the Manoa Otani matchup tomorrow. There's, there's a certain, uh, I, there's a certain excitement when Alec pitches and then certainly Otani is one of the greatest shows in the sports world. So, uh, to have them on the same field, the same mound is going to be something special. And, uh, I do think Manoa, uh, you think about his last start and, and the interactions with Judge, of course, and, and how that all went, and then the Cole aspect of it. My goodness, there is always something interesting going on when Alex on the mound. Yeah, I can't wait. But let's let's get to some business here. Are you a college football fan? Oh boy, I am. Yeah, dude went to uh, Michigan. Are you Kevin? Oh, absolutely. No, you didn't, I'm a Hokie. You didn't, you didn't go to Michigan, did you? Did you go to Michigan, or are you a Harvard dude? I, I went to Harvard. My, my wife went to Michigan, though. She's a, a twice over a Wolverine. So that, Are they that is be the any one good? that is more uh, close to my backyard. Yes. The Wolverine's going to be any good? Yeah. Michigan's gonna be, I think Michigan's going to be pretty good. I do. I think Ohio State has the better team in the Big Ten this year. I think uh, Notre Dame, of course, no longer on mm-hmm. the schedule for Michigan. But I, I'll tell you what. I am going to watch that Notre Dame-Ohio State game uh, very carefully a week from Saturday. Those are the matchups that we love. Of course, all kinds of realignment happening right now, Kevin, in the uh, yeah. in the larger uh, college football landscape. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I wanted to mention this about Alec Manoa, by the way. You've got next Thursday, West Virginia, Alex Alma Mater plays at Pitt 
in Pittsburgh, which is a yeah. huge moment because the backyard brawl, mm-hmm. tremendous history there, but they're no longer in the same conference. Pitt's in the ACC, West Virginia's in the Big 12. So that, they, that rivalry has been sort of on hiatus, but they return now. Thursday they play in Pittsburgh. The next night, Alec Manoa is on turn to pitch in Pittsburgh against the Pirates for the Blue Jays. So you've got West Virginia is going to be hugely represented there in Western PA. Morgantown, where West Virginia is, is like a one-hour drive to Pittsburgh. So you're going to have a lot of Mountaineer fans. It's going to be a huge alumni weekend there for West Virginia. I would expect that's going to be a a big day in the Major League Baseball career of Alec Manoa. And, of course, uh, How's Virginia Tech going to do this Sting. year? Point? Well, they're, you need a quarterback. They're... I, I, if you can name the Hokies quarterback, you can mic drop. Didn't they have the dude last year with the funky mustache? I sent you a. Uh, I have no idea. I sent you a text during the game. I was watching whatever bowl game it was. Yeah, you need a quarterback, and they, they don't have one. They now they got a new coach. Yeah, I think uh... too. They're not good. They're not in a good place, Morosi. I think that's the uh, thing. Now, now is, uh, is, is Tech going to play Notre Dame this year, Kevin? Are they on the schedule? That's a great question. I have not looked at the schedule. You know, I'm sort of afraid to because, again, they haven't been good in a while. So I'm sort of, I, I don't want to say I'm a front runner. You're a front runner. But I sort of am, JP. And that, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> I sort of am. Well, it's a, no, it's, they're, it's, they're it's a great watch. time of year. I mean, these, there are so, so many fun. I mean, obviously, the, the football season starts this weekend in some ways in college football. But those, those Saturdays where you can watch. Great pennant race baseball and college games. I mean, those are my favorite favorite no days of the whole year, really. They're, they're just outstanding days to, to be, be able to enjoy these two great sports. Yeah, you know what is always cool? When you had a Saturday afternoon baseball game in the fall, and, John, you've been there as well, and you get your pregame work done, and you can grab a coffee or grab something to eat and sit and watch the game on TV because a college game is always on oh, in the press awesome. box. It's always uh, – it's a, it's a, they're on in the press box and, and also on in the clubhouse. And there, there are those moments, uh, Jeff, and you can speak to this, where we're trying to get our work done <laughs> and talk with players, but like they're looking over your shoulder at the game on yeah. the TV screen there. And, and we also know this, that when uh, you can usually tell if a team is still in the race or out of the race based on what's on the clubhouse TV. If the team is in the race, the clubhouse TV is showing video of the opposing starting pitcher for that day. If the team is out of the race, uh, you're, you're watching Alabama or you're watching Notre Dame, you're watching LSU, like that's what's on TV if the team is out of the race. I'm not going <laughs> to give away the guy's name because he's still in the game, but I once had a veteran player tell me that he loved it when the call-ups arrived in the clubhouse in September because he said, fresh meat for the college football pool. <laughs> that was his highlight. Yeah, that was his highlight of getting the call-ups. I'm going to get some money out of that 22-year-old kid who's been a triple-A for all year. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Oh, I love it. That's, that's so good. Um, so the Angels are in town this weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of the focus will be on Shohei Otani. The Angels, we understand, are for sale now. All this stuff. John, how does, is there any way with the team for sale, with the payroll being what it is, is there any way you think, do you think that Shohei Otani doesn't go to free agency and ends up staying with the Angels? Or is this, is the, is is the timing just not going to work out now? I would say, Jeff, that there is about a five to 10% chance that Otani is still a member of the Angels on opening day 2024, and there's probably a very healthy chance that he's not even on the team by next opening day. Mm. I mean, that's That, to me, is where this this is all going. There's just – and I think Perry Manassian did a very good job 
at, at the deadline of at least looking into the possibility of trading Otani because that's what he was supposed to do. He's the GM. It's his job to propose trades. It's the owner's job to either approve or disapprove of those trades. And obviously, Moreno, Artie Moreno, did not want to see Otani traded this year at the deadline. And I understand it because he's a special player. You've got all your marketing agreements wrapped up in him. I, I get it. But I think that now that the team is up for sale, now that it's apparent that he's probably not going to sign an extension there, you, you need to make a trade. And I believe you need to make a trade early in the offseason if you're going to do right by the organization. They have made some mistakes. They have made mistakes in the past, whether it was Josh Hamilton, the Pools deal, and I think even Rendon would fit in that category of being a mistake. This is a situation where, where the Los Angeles Angels need a reboot. And, and I believe there's a, probably a better than 50-50 chance that this is the final month of Otani uh, coming up here in an Angels uniform, and I really believe there's an extremely high likelihood that he is not going to sign a long-term extension to the point that a trade this winter becomes, uh, I don't know if I'm going to use the word inevitable, but likely is what I would use just because of the overall circumstances surrounding the team. Uh, JP, the Blue Jays are 7-3 and three in their last 10. What does that tell you about the Jays? Right now, Kevin, they are a team that is starting to peak at the right time. They are a team that is infinitely better when George Springer is mm-hmm. is there and in the lineup, even if he can't necessarily play in the outfield. He means so much. The presence that he brings means a ton to this team. And this is a team that, that for all their flaws, they are still – Right now, I think one of the three best teams in the American League. Um, The Yankees have shown some vulnerability. They've been better the last few days. I think Houston is still the best team in in the American League, top to bottom right now. Seattle is is pretty darn good, though. They've got a very, very good bullpen. I think Seattle's bullpen is one of the best bullpens in the American League and doesn't probably get the amount of credit that that they deserve. But if I look at the American League right now, the the, the four teams that I feel most confident about being in the playoffs, Houston – Yankees, and then the Blue Jays and Mariners. I, I really believe those are all playoff teams right now, and there's still certainly some uncertainty about where, where things look with the, with the wild cards. But the way the Jays have played over the last couple of weeks, for me, has solidified their place as a playoff team in 2022. If you're a Jays fan, who would you rather play in the playoffs? Would it be Seattle, Tampa, or the Guardians? Now, that's an excellent question about that wild card round and how it could look. Um, I, I think Seattle is – they're a dangerous team because their bullpen is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would – you look at Tampa, there's, there's obviously a lot that they know about Tampa from all the games they've played against them. You know, Cleveland is a club that, that they've got a nice blend of experience and youth. I don't think that any one of these teams is necessarily an easier out than the others, but I I would say Seattle has a little bit of a team of destiny about them where I would not want to play them. I really wouldn't. Uh, I I think that the way that they've they've got some momentum going now with their bullpen being as good, and we alluded to that a moment ago, how about the Robbie Ray element, if you have a chance to face Robbie Ray in the postseason? So I would say Seattle of those wild-card teams is the team that I least want to face because they really seem to have some momentum right now uh, going towards their first playoff berth in 21 years. 
and and they remind me in some ways a little bit of what the Jays were in, in 2015, a, a team that seems intent on ending a long playoff drought. They've got a little bit of uh, just a little bit of momentum and magic about them right now, and, and that's how I feel about the Seattle Mariners here in 2022. You know, obviously there's a ton of storylines we focus on here uh, and a ton of storylines that get focused on nationally. Should we be making a bigger deal about the year Paul Goldschmidt's having? Could be a, a triple crown winner, yeah. uh, Jeff. That's how good he's been. And, and he's already committed to and, and has been picked to, to represent Team USA at the WBC, which I think says a lot about where he stands among all the first basemen in the game. But, you know, St. Louis has a, a, a tremendous amount of storylines right now. You've got Albert making a late push for 700. Albert's been one of the best players in the National League after the All-Star break. Yachty's last year. Wainwright, we're not sure if it's his, if it's his last year or not. Arnado's been his, his typical self, and and the, there's a lot going on right now with the St. Louis Cardinals. But this season, Goldschmidt is having is top of the list. I think for me right now, he's the NL MVP. Uh, he's been he's been that good, that consistent. Uh, certainly, there are a lot of other standout performances right now in the National League. But when you are on the brink of a triple crown and you are doing it for a team that it's in the race that, that might be able to pull away from Milwaukee down the stretch, there are very few players, maybe none, having a more impactful year right now in, in baseball than Paul Goldschmidt. I, I think the, the AL MVP race is going to be fascinating between Otani and Judge, but I think right now you look at the National League, Goldschmidt is the, is the choice for me if yeah. I'm looking objectively at the National League MVP race. With uh, Bryce Harper coming back, do you think the Phillies could make a run at that? I, I do, Kevin. I think the Phillies have a really good chance to make the playoffs. And, and all, all credit to, to Stratford, Ontario's own Rob Thompson because he mm-hmm. has done a magnificent job as the manager there in Philadelphia. I think it's still true that they have either the best or second-best record in the National League since he took over, and, and that was a tough task. That, that team was, was really starting to list in terms of their, um, their, their quest to the postseason uh, when, when they made the managerial change. And I think Rob just has such a great way about him, and you both know him very well. He's just he's one of the great people in baseball. He, he just I think he helps people feel comfortable, and and he, they're they're still being tested now. Zach Wheeler's on the IL, so they've lost their ace for the next couple turns. But with, with Bryce Harper returning right now, they've been well above 500 since he left the lineup. And I really credit what Rob has done. I think Bryce is going to be strictly a DH. He cannot throw. Uh, there's still a, a UCL tear that he has to deal with. But I, I really give a lot of credit to Bryce for playing the way that he has. And for me, he's someone that I really uh, look to and, and have a lot of there's a lot of respect for the way he plays the game and the way he's come back and with this thumb issue and, and the fracture that he suffered. So I think Harper is, is going to help them elevate to the postseason. And my goodness, what, a, what an interesting National League East it is right now between the Mets, the Braves, and, and the Phillies. The Phillies are, are not really part of the divisional race anymore, but I can tell you this. I mean, they're, they're a team that if it's a Phillies-Cardinals matchup in round one and you've got Harper and, and the Phillies ending a, a decade-long postseason drought – and you see someone like a like a Bryce Harper playing against Albert and Yachty and Wainwright and Arenado and Goldschmidt in the first round. <laughs> it's going to be a great first first round series for sure. Yeah, and I'm looking at I'm looking at Paul Goldschmidt's numbers, and the the one race that seems to be close in terms of the Triple Crown race in the National League is RBI, 
he missed two games in Toronto because of Ooh. not being vaxxed. Just imagine what happens if he misses a triple crown. I understand. You can't guarantee a guy is going to come to Toronto no. and get an RBI. But can you imagine, John, if he misses a triple crown by, like, one RBI? I, I mean, that's... Well, uh, I, as, as they say, those are the rules, and yep. that was the choice that he made. So, I, I mean, on, on some level, it's it's not really... Uh, you know, th- this is where it's an individual achievement and obviously an individual choice. And so um, he, certainly he had, a, he had a choice to make. He understood what the rules were. And I, I think that's, that's something where ultimately the person who that's going to matter most to is Paul. Mm-hmm. And, and I and certainly have tremendous respect for him as, as a player and as a person. And, and he, uh, he, he made the choice. And, and if he ends up missing it by a couple, by a couple RBI, I, I think that's certainly going to be part of the – the way that his season is viewed in, in historical context, and um, certainly that's that's up to him, and, and certainly he can he can render that discussion moot if he just has a huge September. But if, certainly can. if that's yep. not the case, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting uh, postscript on the 2022 season. J- JP, if the Brewers don't make the playoffs, is that a huge disappointment because they gave up Hader at the trade deadline? You know, it's a great point, Kevin, and he, and, he, and Josh has had his struggles there in San sure. Diego since coming over in the trade. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, conversation to be had there. Uh, that is, for David Stearns, he feels like he has to make those types of moves to sustain the organization in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at the comparison there of where the momentum now lies with the Cardinals versus the Brewers and, and their, their bullpen, I – I, I certainly think it's going to be a, a really painful way if the Brewers miss the postseason and if they, they blow a bunch of saves down the stretch. We've seen Devin Williams struggle a bit since the trade. Um, that, that is the risk you take. And, and that is, you know, we, we began the conversation talking about the Angels and, and where they maybe should have made some choices with respect to, to, to Otani. I mean, David Stearns made a pretty bold choice. I think he did a pretty good job with that trade in terms of extracting value. And when you're the, the second smallest or the smallest TV market in, in America and you have to really manage your, your finances in that fashion, it's a, it's a really delicate balance. And I think David did a good job with that trade. But at the end of the day, if they miss the playoffs by, by a game or two, it's going to be a tough conversation for them to have with their fans uh, going forward. John, before you let you run, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have announced that uh, there will be a tour to Korea um, in 2020. Uh, I'm sorry, the 2022 Korea Series will run from November 9th to 16th. Of course, the World Baseball Classic is is going to be uh, is going to be held in, in the spring as well. We've just come off a labor dispute. Uh, one of the I think one of the real benefits of the WBC has been that it forced MLB and the Players Association to form a a legal partnership, a freestanding legal partnership to put this on. Could this be, maybe I'm being too much of an optimist here, but could this be another step towards maybe smoothing out some of the ruffled feathers from negotiations? Should it be seen that way? Or is it just it makes so much sense financially that, you know, uh, whoever you're in bed with isn't going to matter? Right. No, I think, Jeff, that there is a possible coming together here. And I'll say this. I mean, obviously, we've all covered the event closely in recent years. This is the earliest that we have seen and heard about superstar players committing to Team USA. It's never quite happened in this number 
before, and, and that we've that they've announced Mark DeRosa as the, as the manager. I think it's a great choice. Obviously, I'm I'm close with DeRo through the through MLB Network, and just really respect who he is as a person and, and what his baseball acumen is. And and players want to play on this team. Uh, Trout, Harper. Betts, Goldschmidt, Arenado. Um, it's basically a who's who right now, of, of especially on the position player side. And and I, I think there's a real awareness and understanding of the amount of of money, certainly that's that's in growing the game internationally, but also the the the, the obligation that I think everybody has, and and the excitement that we have to partner on events like this now that we can do it again. You know, there were two very very significant disruptions to the normal course of baseball mm. in the last couple of years, one of which we couldn't plan for. That was the pandemic. And the other one was the labor dispute. So we had two things that sort of knocked the normal schedule off of its axis. And, and now you're seeing this, this great move back toward doing these special events again. London series is coming back next year. Uh, I think we'll see more international games, the, the Korea trip uh, this, this fall, the, the WBC in the spring. This is what we should be doing to grow the game. And, and the, the, the honest answer is that there's a lot of interest in baseball around the world to, to make the game stronger. And, and when you travel, I, I had the pleasure of traveling to Japan after the 2019 season for the Premier 12, and I, I covered a, a Japan-Korea gold medal game at the Tokyo Dome with 50,000 fans chanting and screaming from the first pitch to the last pitch. And, and when, you, when you have a chance to watch baseball in different cultures, and, and I've had the pleasure to, to watch baseball in Puerto Rico and Cuba in the past and Mexico as well. You just you see the potential growth there. And I think that, that when you see that the players partnering on this and coordinating on it in advance with MLB, I, I do think it speaks to a, a, a much more robust relationship. And, and I think whenever they're talking and sort of getting on the same page this far in advance, I think it's a tremendous positive for the growth of the game. And I would expect this WBC coming up in March to be the most viewed, most marketed, most excited um, tournament that we've ever had. And I, by the way, I think Canada's going to have a great team. There's a lot of up-and-coming Canadian players that, that really haven't had a chance to play in this tournament before, whether it's a, a Nick Pavetta, you know, Zach Pop, obviously part of, uh, part of the, the Jays now and, and the Nailers. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting names that are going to be on this roster, hopefully, where I think Canada will probably have its best roster top to bottom that we've ever seen them have in this tournament. Yeah, and as I've told people often, man, um, covering Korea and Japan at Dodger Stadium um, or, or, or during oh. the WBC – is uh, I mean, you want to talk about rivalry? <laughs> oh, There's a uh, rivalry on top of rivalry, and exactly. that, yeah, that was yeah. And, and yet, there's there's a there's such a a respect in in, in the baseball yes. world. I remember just hearing the Korean national anthem before that gold medal game, and and the applause from the Japanese fans. I still have goosebumps thinking about that moment. Just the respect there. It was just a. It's an amazing rivalry. It's an intense rivalry, uh, and yet there's, there's certainly a great respect there as well. It's just it's a very very special thing to watch baseball in Asia for sure. John, I'm going to let you run. Thanks mm. for this, man. Be well. Enjoy the football. Enjoy yeah, the have football. Have a weekend, guys. And, Kevin, I'm going to, I'll work on uh, my two deep there for the Hokies, and I'll, I'll let you know my thoughts on them next time we talk. Okay? I love it. Thank Just you. Just do, do us a favor. All the best, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> give, it, give us a, tell me, give us a definition of what a Hokie is because it's a subject of debate around here, and I would like a uh, – uh, I, I I think that's one of those that's one of those definitions. That I, I would just have to go with whatever Kevin says and, and not and uh, and not really weigh into myself on that one. I would all say. All right, nice. you're a smart man. Right. Take care, John. See ya. See ya, man. Thanks, Be guys. well. I appreciate it. all the best. All righty, that's John Paul Morosi, the MLB Network.
Only JP can work in a, a Alec Manoa Thursday night football, the Mountaineers, and then pitching on Friday. Only JP can. There'll be folks. There, there will be folks who'll stay over. No, no, no question. Like that's that's the the college football is a huge deal, and yeah, I, I would assume that Alec Manoa is a huge Mountaineer fan. It's going to watch the Mountaineers try and get it down and get it singing, do and they, they go an out off, and dominate. Do they have an off day Thursday? Yeah, they do. Ah, oh, come on, you know he's going to get in. A, no question, get in a day early. He'll be on the. He got to be on the sidelines. Uh, of course, you're pitching the night before. Yeah, I don't know how. He, but he's one of those guys. Does it matter? Like he's, you know, he's not a normal pitcher when it comes to, you know, you're messing up routine and, yeah, you know, it's it's against the law to have fun during a time you were pitching. What? Don't, don't ever have fun. Don't talk to me. Yeah, Stay he's away not that from guy. Me. I don't know. Be interesting. That'd be cool. It will be. And cool. that is a uh, that is a rivalry. Uh, it is in West Virginia. The, those it, two schools are too far. Is. I thought they were the same conference, but I, mean, I don't know anymore. You know, because the conferences have been so are have been blowing up in the last ten years. I don't know who's in what conference anymore. I'm so old, I can actually remember when there were ten teams in the it Big Ten. Doesn't matter. Pick your favorite team. Watch yeah? that team. I can remember ten when there were ten teams in the Big Ten. My sister's a Volunteer fan. She watches the Tennessee Volunteers all the time. She's been to a bunch of those games. I'm a Hokie fan, so we sort of clash. I should pick norm, a team. Norm, normally, I, I where our you know my team had been beaten up on and had better seasons, but I should SEC, pick a team. big difference. I should pick a team. It doesn't matter. You're, I mean, you're not a football fan. Though. I should pick a team. Like, just, besides North Dakota, who I like North Dakota? Do they have a team? Yeah, they got a team. I'm so picking my pick almost a good team. That's it's gonna, my almost alma mater. That's not no, going to go, be some sort of. That's time. not going to go two and twelve or however many games they play. Like, pick a good team. Probably be the default and go with Minnesota. The Gophers. Defense. Run first team. Sort of boring. I mean, yeah, that, that would be me, wouldn't it? Bad, right? Perfect. Uh, it is that time of the show where we, we do Barker's back leg bits. Uh, still some time to get your direct messages in to SN Jeff Blair for Kevin Barker. We've got a ton. We've got a lot of time to do it. We're going to take a break. We're going to get to them. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan of the Sportsnet Radio Network wherever you get your favorite podcast. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've got an uh, extended version of Barker's Back Lake Bits for Friday. Because I'm... Plum out of question. This has been a long week, it seems like. I mean, for you it is, but it's been, it seems like every week's a long week for you because of who you have to work with. No but question. You it's, nailed that. It just seemed like That's a the long smartest week. thing you said. Maybe in a long it was time. The, the post game last night. It was, it was tough. It, it was midnight now. I mean, I'm usually, usually uh, when I'm that, up in midnight. That pitch clock and that walking around the mound and that, I just, I, I I'm not on board with everything. But you're on but board I'm on with board that. that thing. Eight seconds in and out. <laughs> no, no, 12, 14 seconds. Yeah, eight seconds. Get on it and throw it. Get Solomon on it and throw it. Like, like, let's do this. Well, did you play Holy with Jason Mother. Fraser? Were you here with Jason? I did, yeah. A human rain delay. Yeah, it's crazy. The slowest working man on the planet. That's crazy. Shake off to a heater uh-huh. like three different times. Heater, you give him a heater. Shake to the heater. <laughs> like, dude, I just called that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Anyhow. It is uh, time for Barker's back leg bits on Blair and Barker. 
and uh, we have we got a lot of we got a lot of really really good questions for you today. We got good fans. Yeah, we do. We got we good do. listeners. Now, hopefully, they're fans. Hopefully, the listeners are fans. Um. Uh, I like this question here. Lots of folks, by the way, want to talk about Teoscar Hernandez. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm. But I like this question from Maddie J. Um, thank you for the kind words, Maddie. Listening to Kevin talk, it's obvious why career minor leaguers and guys who spend a lot of time in the minors make good managers. He's met a lot of players and baseball people and taken their words with him into this job. I'm curious, who's the best player? I love this. Ugh. Who's the best player he played with Me. that never <laughs> that never made the majors or I never the got majors. the chance? Shut up. <laughs> or never got the chance he thought they deserved other than himself. Uh, hmm. So who? A That's guy, a great question. A guy that you played with, or I guess against be somebody you know. Yeah, be myself. Well, you could do the Frank Robinson thing when you asked him about was Vladdy the best player you've ever managed. He shook his head and said, "No one pointed himself because he, he was a Hall of Famer and he was a player manager." He's right. Can't argue with that. Uh, either a guy you Ooh. played with or against. Yeah, there there is there is one guy, and I think he was with the Rays. He might have even been drafted by the Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Witt. You remember Kevin yeah, Witt? Yeah, he was, dra- he was a first-round pick of the yeah, Jays. Yeah, he played, played first. Big left-handed hitter. Yep. Uh, he was in AAA quite a bit, like myself. We we talked a lot. Like why, and, and I always used to tell him all the time, man, with the swing, as many homers as you hit, he had power. He had tremendous. He was a I, big I, boy. He was a big boy. He, he was. I, he had tremendous power the other way. Let the ball travel. It was a short little quick stroke. But he's like a lot of... Guys, that sort of I got mixed into that too was you know f- that four A player, which I hate saying that out loud. I just I, I every time I hear somebody say that, like this, it just drives me nuts. But it's that he was sort of I think the one guy that I could relate to because we were a little bit alike. We you know we had a lot all or nothing in our swing, but he he hit a lot of home runs, and yeah. I, and I, I just always wondered why he wasn't in the big leagues fifteen years. First round pick of the Jays. In 1994, out of Bishop Kenny High School in Jacksonville, Florida, 28th overall, he played in 156, sorry, 146 major league games over five years, uh, 15 home runs, 10 of them with the Tigers. And that 2003, he hit 263 with 10 bombs and 26 RBI for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Himself a pretty good year. With the Blue Jays, he played in 44, sorry, 20 games over the part better part of two years, one home run, five RBI. He played in Japan as well as the minor leagues, hit 269 home runs it's in a lot. the minor leagues. And, uh, and and he, I'm just looking, I believe he hit 10 in Japan. He hit 10 in Japan. I think he hit seven more than me in the minor. It's a lot of home runs. That's a lot of homers. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he, he was labeled. He was like me. He got labeled as a 4A player. I mean, I hate saying that 4A thing. I, I I don't know who invented that. They should be ashamed of themselves. But it's he was labeled. And for whatever reason, you know, you're in between that. Are you a big leaguer? You're too good for AAA, but you're not a big leaguer. And mm-hmm. I think people should be ashamed of themselves for even coming up with that. But, you know, guys like him, like me, like other players were labeled and – didn't get as many opportunities as I think we should have got because of that. And he's one of the guys just, you know, now with that, we talked about this, but you know, now with analytics, you probably would have got a better shot. Somebody would have looked at you and thought, I, I think, I guess, I think analytics, man, 
I, I wonder if you sat a lot of guys down who were high draft picks, who just got a taste of the majors sure. but couldn't grasp it. And if you said to them, do you think like, if someone could look at your swing and go, God, if we can only do this with this guy. I, I think the shift would have kept me in the big leagues longer. I was a smart hitter. And I knew what and was going go on. The other, you've talked about no it. You question. could go the other I could, way. I could inside out a ball and, yeah. and straighten him up a little bit and not take big daddy hacks yeah. like I tried to do when I first got to the big leagues because I thought that's what I had to do. You know, I was a run producer. Hey, yeah, I know. You looked your eyes. No, yeah, I, no, but I, 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 I was. I was expected. I played a corner. Corner guys were expected to get it down and get it singing and drive in runs. But I, I would – that's the one thing I sit when I sit on my couch and I watch. How would I have handled the shift? Velocity, I could have figured that out. I could have done something with my mechanics, my lower half, my hands, where I put my barrel. I could have figured that out. But the shift, what would that have done to me? I often wonder that. Uh, 590, is a text line as well. We have the, uh, a great question. It's a really good question. Uh, this is a good one too. Uh, I'm not surprised. Andrew and Mississauga. Uh, just want to ask Kevin, what was the most annoying pregame or postgame routine you saw a player do? And he says, don't worry. They're probably not listening. LOL. Is there anybody have an annoying, you don't even have to say the dude is an annoying pre or post game, rich, something he did that you would just go, Oh God, I got to get out of here. Uh, well, yeah, I think a food is a weird pregame ritual. It's when you eat it and what you eat. Like I've seen people eat fish. I've seen like, it's odd. Like you just because I got a hit the day before, because I had that meal, I have to eat it again. You get another hit. You got to eat it again. Like, it's just, and it sort of makes everybody else ticked off because it either smells bad or it just, it makes you smell bad and your breath smells bad or you, we just don't like that food and, you know, or we're ticked off, you're getting a hit and we ain't getting any hits. So I think that that's one of them is food. The other parts of it, it's very, like I had mine, I paid no attention to anybody else. You yeah. take, take that as you will, whether that makes me a bad teammate or not, I don't care. But it was about me. I was trying to get to the big leagues. I didn't care what your routine was. But I do think it's about food. And that doesn't have anything to do with one individual. That has to do with, it's like me and Jimmy John's. Yep. Jimmy John's is working. Ain't going to mess that up. Uh, I asked folks on social media a little earlier. I was just kind of a, just throwing it out there, but we spent so much time talking about Matt Chapman's uh, defense. And I asked, I gave Kelly Gruber, Matt Chapman, J.D., or... Scott Rowland, best defensive third baseman he saw with the Blue Jays. For me, it was Rowland. Admittedly, I did not see as many games that Gruber played as Rowland, and I'm, I would also admit some of the guys who played third base before them. I just I wasn't covering the team. I was a National League guy and covering the Expos. Um, Michael, uh, Mike Jay's fan, says Rowland was so smooth, seemed like he always took the time he had, threw out every runner by no, by no more than two steps. And he is great. And he said, I compare him to Brett Lowry, who always looked like he was playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots, playing third base. Uh, he wants to know, having said that, best defensive first baseman you've seen? Uh, Lyle Overbay is the one. I talk about footwork all the time around the bag. If you, if you want to go look up on YouTube his what he does around the bag, we talk about Vladdy being very stationary with his put the one foot in the middle of the bag and you're stretching all over. Go watch Lyle. The, the the movements and how smooth it was and where he could play in the hole, how far away he could play. Like, he was so far over 
that it made it easy, the second baseman's job easier so he could cover the ball up the middle and that's when the shift wasn't around as much and you, you had to cover that hole a bit more when you're a first baseman. You had to be athletic. You had to know what you were doing. You had to, you know, it's tough for a first baseman to run like a scalded dog to first base with your back turned to the play. You got to have confidence who you are because a lot of infielders, no matter if you've got to the bag or not, will throw it anyway because it's that pace. It's that internal clock. They catch it. They're throwing it no matter how the runner's going. And the ball could be in the air because you're playing so far over. When you get to the bag and turn around, it's already in the air. So you got to be real good and aware of that and be in tune with who you are as a, as a defending first baseman. Lyle is way up there. So I, w- I would say Lyle. Lots of folks with concerns, questions <clears throat> about Teoscar Hernandez, about his defense in his hitting. He has not had, he's not had a good series or <laughs> did not have a good series. Uh, Mitty wants to know, do you, and he said, from my point of view, it looks like he's opened up his stance a bit. Is Teoscar, does he, does Kevin think Teoscar's pressing, trying to find something at this point? Last 15 games, he's 10 for his last 56 with 25 punches. To say he's not pressing is he, maybe the understatement of the month. Uh, you, know, you know, and I've said this because I've, I've lived it. You, you carry, because he's expected to do a lot. Now, remember, he's one of the guys that, that lost up in the order. He was one of the guys yep. who was moved down with Bo. <clears throat> you handle that in different ways. Maybe that would have a little something to do with it. You know, you've lost confidence in me. Uh, you know, I want to get paid. I'm trying too hard to get paid. We focused, and oh, by on, the Bo, way, now, we focused on Bo so much. Maybe now, we overlooked now, Teoscar. Now you don't think highly of me because you've moved me down in the order. Uh, you're carrying that to the defensive side. Now he's not a great defender. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Let's not lie about it. But you do carry that over. Uh, uh, you know, that play that last night, you just didn't. Sometimes baseball IQ for him is a thing. Don't want to say it's the be-all, end-all. But I do think a lot of it is a collection. We talk about Bo, does he worry about it? I think this is just me. I think Teoscar, and hopefully, hopefully we get Teoscar on the show soon and we can ask him sort of. I think he's carried that to his game, trying to get paid. More so than And both. how the Blue Jays feel about him. Oh, okay. Where Teoscar is in his career, his age, Bo's still beginning. But he's beginning. He's yeah. going to get paid somewhat somewhere. He's Whether it's the Jays out. or somewhere else. Yeah. Teoscar, will he get paid? Well, if, we, if they traded him, ask yourself is he still this. getting paid? There's a lot of pressure on him to... to Support his family. Yeah. I mean, he's a grown man. He wants to do his the best, and he's a he's a great human. He's a nice man. I root for him, but you can tell he is really trying, and he has opened his stance a little. You can tell that, like he he's trying to simplify it. He's trying to get. He is a guy because he wants to lay it. He wants to be quiet. Remember, he had the the leg kick, the turn, and when he turns. His upper half follows his lower half. A lot of the times his eyes go with it. You see me on TV, which people on the radio cannot. If I lift it and I turn, I can only see with one eye. I can't see with both eyes. So what do you do? You, you start open, and now if I can land in the same spot all the time, which is direct, even with my back foot, both of my eyes stay on the target. I got a better chance of telling whether that thing is a ball or strike. And I will say this, you don't like the ball away. New, <laughs> so he's you know it's accumulation of a bunch of things. But I root for him. I'm in that camp. Mark Addison wants to know if you noticed 
Gossman's velocity being down big time. This he sent this last night during the game. I, I did notice that, but what did it's, we say it was ninety three two through four innings. His average was ninety three two, but he did get it up. Did did he not get it up to ninety seven at the end? Or am I? I thinking saw of, some ninety five, ninety six is when he needed okay. it. I, the ninety, I saw ninety ninety ones. Those might have been on purpose. It looked to me like he was trying more location than velocity. He wanted a little bit, a little bit more movement. Maybe he was gripping it different to try and get it to move. Looked like a little bit more of a sinker movement. So I. Are you worried about that? It's a marathon. You know, San Francisco, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Late in the season, mm-hmm. dead arm, a lack of velocity, tipping pitches. I know you can, you know, you can sort of throw it in on everything. But it's, I mean, look, am I, are you worried about that? Am I worried about that? Probably not. You know, he still gave you five innings. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah. It, I'm... When you look at what happened to him last year down the stretch, and th- there was a lot of talk that he may have been tipping pitches. And I understand now, anytime anybody gets in, in a rut, we automatically wonder if he was tipping pitches. But <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think you would probably, you'd probably be advised to uh, just kind of keep an eye on Gossman. The other thing I'm going to say, too, is that was, I believe, his fifth start against Boston. I, I understand Boston's not this year. I understand they're not a good team, but they've seen a lot that's of him. Why they've seen I said, a lot of him. That's why I said when he needed it, he had it. Looked to me like maybe he's gripping it. I tried to listen after the game. I don't even think they talked to him, right? I tried to listen whether he was gripping it different. He was relying more on movement. To your point, you see a team so much, even though they're going through things, you want to give them a different look. Maybe he's taking a little off. You weren't trying to get the little extra mm, till you needed it. I This is just me. I'm more worried about Alec Manoa's slider-sinker combo than I am velocity from Kevin Gosman. A lot of concern out there about uh, the Jays' bullpen. Not so much now. Funny. Not, not so much now about Romano. But uh, wondering about how the Jays are going to play this out with Kikuchi down the stretch. There are some doubleheaders coming up. We've already talked. The, the rosters can expand, will expand in September. You can only bring up two position players or one pitcher and one position right. player. You can't bring up two pitchers. Yep. We know that Merriweather's supposedly ready. I, listen, I think Julian Merriweather's going to be up here at some point really soon. Uh-huh. <sighs> it's easy for me. Okay, if he has to be on my team, that doesn't mean I have to pitch him. See, it's about winning. I, I, this, so let's not let's not throw our hands in the air anymore. John Snyder's a no, smart man. Like I, I but think the they, point is, they but, have to. Sounds like they have to keep him on the team. Right, but the but point, that don't mean he has to pitch. So how do you? Don't pitch him. But how do you compensate for that? How I mean, do you, I, you allow still got, for you needing? Still, you still got four or five guys down there who can get lefties out which is the only way you'd ever pitch him is, I guess, if you got right. a couple of lefties coming up because now the velocity and the slider, and, and now he probably doesn't have to throw as many quality pitches. If he gets it in the same area, Coach, you can get a lefty out some of the time because of how hard you throw. So that would be the only time you use him, and the scoreboard will tell you when you use him. That's me. I'm not overthinking that. They got their highest leverage guys, and then there's everybody else. And everybody else includes Yusei Kikuchi. Mitch White starts tonight. Dylan wants to know if we could see Mitch White fitting long-term in the organization. Do the Jays go out and get starters in the offseason, which might put White in the pen as a long man? Well, that a lot for, for me depends on what you do with Stripling. Yep. Are you signing him? Do you like him enough to give him whatever the number would be? I mean, I'm assuming give a qualifying in... a qualifying offer this year is 19 million dollars. Yeah. Qualifying offers back. I 
There's I a mean, question. If, do you give do you give Stripling a qualifying well, offer? The, the, well, the question would be, would Stripling take it? One year at nineteen million. Well, well, right now, I mean, could he have a better year than he's had this year? Mm-mm. I mean, what right now is the better, the best time he'll ever get of getting what he thinks he's worth. So the and question some team's is, going to give it to him, yes, whether so it's the, the Blue Jays is, or not. Do I take, give him three for thirty? Yeah. Oh, listen, three I would. I've already one said, for nineteen. I, I would give him. I would give him the security. I, the, the guy's just. Yeah. I, I'm worried that the Kikuchi contract is going to scare uh-huh. people. And 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 by scare people, hey, I mean the front people? office. Yeah. And it, I mean, it shouldn't because you know what? You are going to make some atrocious de- – every front office is going to make That's atrocious decisions. That's one of them. And you know what? With this ownership group, with the fact that we're led to believe the Ryu contract, that insurance has taken care of a lot of that – I would still be bold. I, yeah. See, there's two things there. You, you have to ask yourself, how many atrocious chances am I going to get, meaning Ross Atkins, with my bosses? And do I think that Ross Stripling will look like this next year? That's the question. All right. Are you not? I guess I, maybe I'm looking at it too much like a fan like a media guy who's seen this guy basically do whatever it takes for the team, do whatever it takes for the team and not himself. And and he's earned. I mean, I cannot say this enough to make changes. Anybody can make changes. Yeah. To make changes in season in in Buffalo Buffalo. and take it into the game and have the stones to, to maybe, maybe this isn't going to work. And it's not like I'm on a nine year contract, right? Maybe this isn't going to work. I mean, I, I cannot stress enough how, impressive that was last year and he seems to have become a real part of that 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 core that core leadership group i mean if it's me it's a no-brainer i'm giving him i'm giving him a three-year contract or maybe two years with a vet i'm trying to do something that says to ross stripling if you keep doing this I want you here for three years, and we'll take care of you. Add the organization to it. You're telling your your players that if you do well, make changes, and it works, yeah. we're gonna what, what, reward what, you. What you're saying to them is, we not only will we pay you if you're a big time free agent, or not only will we pay you if you're one of our own, but if you, this is a team that will take you, make you better, and reward you for it. And you know if you you can look at Stripling in the same in the same way a lot of way you look at Marcus Semyon, brought you in, helped you get better, Oof. put up numbers, helping you get paid. You think Texas wants a do over? <laughs> Perhaps I, I would think they would. <laughs> you think I would think they would, but you know there ain't no but. I mean maybe maybe the clubhouse thing's so cool and worth one hundred and seventy million dollars. Maybe there's another question here about uh, about not surprisingly because we talked to Morosi about Otani, and the question is if Otani's on the market, do the Jays? No question. They absolutely. No you, question. I, I would think. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, you you go out and try to get him. I, I think if you're a general manager and you don't try to get Shohei Otani, I mean, you're almost you could almost stand accused of gross negligence. You have to. You have to try the question. The question would be, do the Blue Jays have enough to get him? And I would think I'm in that camp. I raised my hand. I don't think so. I I don't either. The minor league. I don't don't think think, the minor league system. I don't think they have enough. 
you know, I, I don't think the minor league system is that deep enough. I don't either. To get it Not done. Not quality stuff. And, you know, the Angels they aren't, aren't going to be looking for Teoscar Hernandez. Ooh. You know, they might be interested in a guy like Bo, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more to it than that. We that is that. it frustrating. That was good. Lots of good questions. We Great do that job. every day. So if you've got questions for Kevin, send them in. Uh, if I don't get them right away, we'll collate them and we'll get to them every Friday. We'll have an extended version of Barker's Back League Bits. So that is it for us. 7.07 is the first pitch tonight. First of three games between the Angels and the Jays at the Rogers Center. Kevin and I will have Blue Jays talk on Sunday. We'll be back here from 10 to noon Eastern on Monday as well. Have yourself a great weekend and enjoy the baseball.